Wade Lightheart. Welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, the program, right? We just <laughs> gave birth to a new universe or something like that countdown. <laughs> Boom. Boom. We have a epic show, consciousness, metaphysics, biochemistry, bio-optimization, all of the insanity of the chemo-electroconnectomics that are happening in our nervous system and how it affects our perception, how it affects our enlightenment, how it affects our peak performance. I'm so damn pumped for this. And me too. Yeah. Yes. Wade, let's just jump into the fundamental questions that you and I have discovered are most salient to the nature of reality and experience, which are questions like, what is the I? Or what is source? Or what mm. is this reality? What is infinity? Let's start with your thoughts about things like that. Well, I think it's always evolving. Um, and it's very hard to determine since it's such an, a non-linear and unusual way to kind of approach life when we've been conditioned to a Newtonian paradigm causality-based reality that has been infused into the neurosynaptic connections of our mind, which create a pattern recognition system that self affirms our own biases. So that's a tough one. However, um, I'll share with you where I'm at in the spectrum of those considerations at this moment. And I would say that if we going back to David Hawkins, who I think has given us the, the best approximation of the stratas of potential realities in this conscious domain experienced through the human nervous system. So I think we, the common elements that we can state with relative certainty is that the general point of reference for most people as an I would be me the protoplasmic biochemical being which is attached to a name identification um you know a, a bunch of quantifiable measurements by a generally agreed set of rules weight height hair color eye color heart resting heart rate all the biohacking markers that everybody's tracking and getting excited about these days so that's one point so that's a perceptual thing from which most people are going to observe their life. However, with the investigation, which is consciousness research, so what you're getting at is the determining the nature of consciousness itself. I would say, okay, well, using the kind of reasoning points that Hawkins, I think, laid out quite eloquently, and that is, well, if I can experience my arm, but if I cut my arm off, I'm still me. If I cut my other arm, I'm still me. If I cut my other leg off and my other leg off, I'm still me. 
So the eye, which is experiencing my arm, my legs, or the lack thereof, is associated with the protoplasm on a certain level. So then you go, wait a second. Well, we're having this conversation and I can see my thoughts. Okay, so if I can witness my thoughts, I'm not my thoughts either. And if I can have emotions and feelings, okay, I feel happy, sad, whatever. I'm witnessing these experiences. And so whether I'm referencing... Uh, a pleasure or pain point or an attraction or aversion in my protoplasmic self or in my intellectual or emotional self. All of those are still going to the filter of the I, which is sometimes referred to the ego. Um, if someone's really diving into meditation, um, contemplative aspects, uh, you know, simulation theory or psychedelics or some combination of all because most people will, will investigate all of those realms yep. uh, in their pursuit of quote-unquote truth or what is the, what is the eye of eye and i would say that the the eye that one experiences tends to expand in the research until one comes quite clear that it is but a drop of the ocean of all that is. So what we consider our life or our experience is, is very much like a water droplet falling into the ocean. And before, when the drop hits, it hasn't dissolved in the ocean. So imagine coming into physical existence, this realm, this medium, this strata, we'll consider that an ocean. And you could call that an electromagnetic ocean, if you will. And the, the drop point into physical reality is the drop, which some people would refer to the soil, a soil, soul breaking into the plane of the ocean of consciousness itself. And for a brief period of time, which we call our lifespan, that is the separation of the drop from the ocean. And what we would call our quote-unquote death would be the dissolution of that ego structure, which we would call the small eye into the large eye, which is the total observational component, which binds everybody, everything, and everything in the universe. That's how I would determine that at where I'm at right now. Yeah. I love it when our guests hit back tennis balls that to these questions where there's an obvious amount of study across many of these. Concepts and frameworks and understandings from everything of the mystic traditions and spirituality all the way up to electromagnetism and the chemoelectroconnectomics and sort of the understanding of the levels of consciousness upgrading from an egoic state to an enlightened state it's really important that people see the polymathy in what you shared that you're polymath you've learned much across many disciplines and how that's actually created a more refined understanding for you of what the nature of reality is and then that translates as you go all the way inward to that source it translates into a pragmatic 
utilitarian value of as you go outward artistically with bio-optimizers and everything that you're bringing to our world that what's happening is that you bring that unique firework expression with a high level of morality, a high level of ethics, maximizing human potential in this dreamed reality. And so that's a critical component, the pragmatic, the utilitarian value of going all the way to source to know yourself, know what, you know, what the reality is. And so it's always uh, refreshing when the tennis balls are hit back as such. And David Hawkins has been a massive influence on myself and many others that we've had on the show now. And I'm really glad that you brought him up and you've had several other important spiritual teachers, which we'll probably talk about here in a bit. The question that I would probably ask you next around this topic would be something like, is this an appearance of infinity? Would seem as such. Yeah. And then another question to ask is that If this is an appearance of infinity, therefore we will never come to an end. Well, that's certainly an attractive concept. And I think the addiction to not coming to the end is what keeps the cycle of incarnations and maintains the the very thin layer between the drop in the ocean until eventually one sees the futility of all that. Another important bit here to play with you on is when you have enlightened parents, the ego doesn't form. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this. Ignorant parents will have the infant as it becomes a toddler and a child become attached to their ego, their identity, being finite, trying to seek happiness and peace in the Maya, in the material, illusory world. Whereas uh, an enlightened parent would have their child recognize themselves as an expression of infinity and also as a unique contributory firework in this dream. And so, therefore, in an enlightened parent, do you see the process of sort of the ego not ever even forming and so that the infant stays at that level of enlightenment throughout its trajectory to adulthood? Well, I think there's a considerable amount of assumptions in that statement that could probably taken part by observational realities in that there are there's number one, there's an assumption that an, an enlightenment is concordant with the parents. We don't know if that's true. Number two, we don't know actually what the state of enlightenment is. And then number three, we're assigning causality to the concept of enlightenment and the choices, which then somewhat contain a moral and ethical judgment of what is enlightened parenthood versus not. At this present time, relative to this physiology, physical reality, I'm not a parent, so I'm not able to comment with any level of experiential, subjective experience. And so I would only be, you know, 
crafting up ideas for the audience, which are not really my experience. Fair. I'm curious as to how you play with the simultaneity across the different schools of thinking that have evolved over the last million, excuse me, thousands of years, millennia, Mm -hmm. where you have a very non-dualism approach Mm -hmm. where there's a immediate recognition that the eye is illusory, that the absolute or ultimate realization has to do with the absolute perfection or wholeness of what already is as these appearances happening. And then in the dualism, which you can hold simultaneously as that non-duality would be something like there is an electromagnetic rhythmic balanced interchange that's happening. There is like in the yin and yang, there is ignorance and there is knowledge or liberation and that somebody that's in that egoic bubble is ignorant and somebody that is in an enlightened state is has knowledge of vidya and vidya and then also simultaneity with the individuation although the individual is an illusion and a dream at the same time it is a unique expression a unique firework and so the west is not wrong in that sense so how do you feel about the non-duality, the dualism, the individuation, holding them simultaneously? Yeah, it's a, it's a dance. Uh, it's represented as a dance in many cultures and many things, or Lila, the Wu Wei, yeah. or yeah. you know, the dance of Shiva, or right, whatever you choose. It's been interpreted many ways relative to cultural norms and values. And about three and a half years ago, I I did a deep dive um, on a plant medicine journey on the uh, the start of the conversation which you referred to which is is the conceptual ideologies that are uh, held in mind with civilizations and I have been working on that particular thought process for the last three and a half years about the ascending and descending aspects of the various civilizations throughout history their beliefs and values and whether they went sideways and exterminated or they simply rose and fall like a natural crested wave. And at every point you can always make a judgment or an assessment and say that was, you know, the downfall of that society. But if you ascribe to physics where there is the law of entropy and syntropy, so both depending on the time perspective that in order for, uh, you know, the more pessimistic view would say that all ordered systems descend into chaos and the optimist view would say yes that's true but if you stay pay attention long enough they reorganize into more complex beings and then if you take from simulation theory where people say if you even run a simulation on a computer with a relatively simple uh, paradigm of you know mutation all of a sudden things get very complex out of not that far down the road. And within that complexity, patterns begin to emerge of 
super unintelligent components, which now start to exhibit a kind of localized intelligence, which we could call tribal or national or international or, you know, exoplanet or consciousness or deification, or you can kind of move through whatever strata that you so choose. If you want to look at, you know, it's kind of like, are we in the middle somewhere between something very, very big and something, something very small? It would seem that way. So again, I think ultimately point of reference is everything Hmm. and that we're just kind of bouncing around in this giant electromagnetic field with a point of reference of convenience as an incarnated component relative to this uh, sensory realm which we experience. Which, So the human body has a sensory uh, parameter built into it, our five senses and then combined with intuitive nature. But we know that there is all sorts of matter and energy and frequency which are not detectable by our human senses we can use an infrared camera for example which we don't necessarily pick up but it's a real and you know you get into matter and dark matter and you know and i think it all bases is that as long as one is approaching everything from this perspective of dualism dualistic thinking that there is a light and a dark and a and 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 its diversification of either a negative or positively charged ion and or the fluctuations on a sine wave if you want to go to a wave or to a light quanta as which is both a particle and a wave in a substrate of nothingness which that's an interesting thing in itself the concept of nothing itself um or void shunya yeah right and so then you have void and then allness which is the differentiation between hinayana buddhism and mahayana buddhism so It's it's completely subjective and arbitrary to put deciding on where you want to go with it and who you want to hang out with and and, and, and ride with those collective beliefs. But if you go to the yeah, you devotional can non-duality hang out with people that have more of well-being as a focus rather than suffering, so that's sort of where the dualism can, in a sense, be something that we incorporate in our process that we gravitate towards what is maximizing well-being and prosperity and less around ego and suffering well if you break down prosperity what does that really mean and that means i would say is the capability of accessing a wider range of choices from an experiential reality that could be economics that could be consciousness that could be physical capabilities but I would say I would over the overarching generalization of prosperity is be, hey, let's have more choices as opposed to less. So you would focus in on choice architecting, maximizing that yeah. as I, that, that's how I would associate it. Uh, because an expanded level of consciousness is basic is, needs met. You're able to have larger choice architecture. Well, I, I don't even think that, you know, basic needs. Certainly, I think water food energy shelter correct which is relative to this plane but there's there's a built-in assumption that this plane is the ultimate place to be but since everybody leaves here there's good indication that that's not the case this is more of a temporary experience and that at some point 
the system opts us out of it. And if one's an optimist, then we would say that, oh, well, that's because there's some benevolent aspect of this that says, you know what, human suffering can only go on so long and you need a, a reprise before you go back, if you so choose. And most of the spiritual texts throughout the world talks about that, whether it's the prodigal son or the reincarnations into Buddhahood or whatever the Eastern or Western doctrine that you choose to engage in in your process of self-discovery. It's like, well, they all kind of agree on a couple of things. And that is that this is a temporal experience and that there are realms both of in, in both directions on the paradigm of, struff, uh, of suffering. And so you decide through your actions, choices, and attention of what direction you're going to go. And so I tend to think that most um, s spiritual laws or rules or uh, suggestions are not made to control and condemn, although in some of the institutional components that they've definitely been used by that, but in its absolute practice in an individual, I think it leads to an expansion of choices as opposed to a restriction, which is sometimes indoctrinated inside a religious, you know, fundamentalism. And so I'm against uh, going too deep inside of those components. So it's kind of like what Bruce Lee say, I don't believe in styles, right? Right. It's take what works and discard what doesn't. And that is the pathway, I think, David Hawkins ascribed to in his uh, devotional non-duality, devotion to the truth no matter what. Good. I'm glad that you got here because I interrupted when you were hitting into this devotional non-duality bit on the David Hawkins. So devotion to the truth no matter what. Yes. Yep. That produces its own flowers, that yields its own bountiful mm -hmm. love and harmonics. Would you say that you mentioned earlier there was a process of indicating that we're not sure what enlightenment is? Would it be fair to say that we can make a small map as we discuss where we say that, as Nisargatha Maharaj said, I am not the body. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of go to the step of, okay, if I'm not the body, I'm the awareness or I'm the sky in which the cloud of the body and the experiences and emotions and thoughts happen. Okay, so I'm that awareness, I'm the sky, so our level of subtlety has increased away from the appearance of matter and form towards something that is consciousness, towards awareness, what is eternal and what is shared. And then even just like in our dream at night when we simulate out a reality and we immerse ourselves in it as an observer... Even the observer itself is dreamed. Even the awareness mm -hmm. itself is a product mm -hmm. of source or of infinity. Yeah. And so is that how you sort of view the structure? It's hard to determine because 
we have the limitation of languaging. And I think that language is a very poor cousin to experience. And, you know, um, if you look at, I think the ultimate mystics, which talk about the, the ultimate is uh, indescribable and non-definable. Right. So all by the act of attempting to define it in one of those things, I immediately lose that, which what it is. Right. Everybody knows what love is, but try and describe it. People have been singing songs about it for thousands of years, but no one's quite got it right. But everybody knows what it is when one experiences it. And in a sense, that's also what is meant by that non-duality, that devotion to truth just being present right here, right now, as an appearance. And yet there's also this simultaneously a recognition that if I experience anger, I don't want to experience that because I butterfly effect that out onto my friends and family and I would rather feel happiness. And so then that's where the dualism also is embedded. Just like in the Taijitu by Zhao Dunyi a thousand years ago, you have the monist and you have the dualist, yin yang, inside of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the simultaneity. I agree the ineffability is really a critical component of it. And yet at the same time, recognizing that one of the coolest things we can do is try and use symbols to describe the ineffable. Do you feel yeah. that way? Well, sure. I think, I think part of the joy of being in a human form and to communicate with others is to kind of come to some sort of concordance as to where are we, what's going on, and what's the, what's the general accepted rules of the engagement here. And then from that, start uh, extracting uh, a variety of experiential realities. And one may be, you know, connect it with someone for only a few moments yet have a profound impact and someone could be around someone for most of their life and feel almost nothing. Like maybe yeah. you get on the bus, the same bus driver every day to go to work and he's the same bus driver driving that thing for 35 years and you interact with them on a very temporal point, but whatever. Yet at one point you meet quote unquote, your, your hero or muse or, someone like that in a, in a brief instant and you carry that impact of what they said, maybe a line, maybe a statement for the rest of your life. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's, you, you know, you can go a lot of different ways with those kind of components. And I, th- and I think, you know, I'm not one to go out and dispense advice but it would seem that most people who quote unquote go all in whatever they are derive a certain biochemical reward system that provides some sort of um 
cycle of repetitive influence. However, if it becomes an addiction, then yeah. it becomes yeah. also you can get an, un, an, an, an unregulated aspect of uh, experiencing a certain vibration. So I think it's normal to kind of move through all the variants at yeah. some yeah. thing that we call the expression of time or perceptual changes due to new information or a changing set of parameters. And there does seem to be a Eureka aha totally. reward-based system totally. that's built into our biology, which therefore is in the fabric of the universe. So one would lead to believe that the expansion of consciousness and into experience totally. is something that's innate within consciousness itself and it's what causes curiosity and the driving and the reward system from that. So that's beautifully said. So yeah. I think I think we yeah. can I think we can go down that route as opposed to a nihilistic component totally. that nothing means anything. Totally, which totally. Very seldom leads to anyone feeling generally good for the time that they're yeah. here. Yeah, so yeah. I think Almost to kind of come full circle to answer your question. But I do believe that there may be some value of experiencing that which isn't joyful and rewarding as a point of reference to to reignite the attraction to the expansion mm -hmm. of consciousness. Almost as though infinity uses the nervous system as a voyager in the endless exploration and that we can get addicted to even the abiding in infinity and because there are biochemical rewards that occur in that process and that the the tantric path or the Buddha's middle way or Ramana Maharshi Sahaja Samadhi that we also get the biochemical rewards when we actually weave the profound realizations into the social fabric itself and that there is almost no greater service as Ramana Maharshi said that you can render humanity than undergoing the process of know thyself recognize yourself as infinity expressing itself god realize self realize source realize and as in many of the analogies then the moth gets zapped by that white source light the contracted egoic sugar cube dissolves in the hot tea of infinity and then as you go outward in expression it's more harmonic it's more in balance with mm -hmm. nature with love and enlightenment and maximizing human potential yeah that seems to be the as the sufi metaphysic goes only the ignorant seek what is already there mm -hmm. and yet it remains for you to recognize it and that sort of brings together the non-dualism with the dualism into one. Mm -hmm. You're already it, but yet it remains for you to recognize that you're already it. And so this just being an appearance of this 
Wade Lightheart character slash unit talking to this Atlas character slash unit on this mm-hmm. formed appearance of this simulation YouTube channel that claims to be disseminating content around enlightenment. That, I mean, just that, just yeah. sorry to interrupt, but I mean, yes, what please. people are listening to right now is a, is a simulation of the conversation that's already happened. So they're not even experiencing the conversation in real time relative to us. There is a simulated reality that they're watching on video or listening in this auditorial program, which becomes replicated over the amount of people who download or listen to that. So, um, and by as such, the listener who's listening to this right now, you're within this room outside of the time construct of the present moment and have arrived here at the perfect time by your own design. Yes. So when you, when you realize that, that you, me, the listener, the viewer are intimate, intimately connected through an aspect of consciousness that is not limited to both the narrow present. And we use currently technology to um, time distort that out of a matter of convenience. However, I believe that, and and I, I actually have personal experience of this reality. So I'm not, I'm not stating this from a sense of uh, conjecture or ideation, but as an experiential reality that in Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi, he wrote something that was so almost cryptically hidden within the pages, and that is the contemporaries of a spiritual master are not limited to the narrow present. And that's not a conceptual idea for myself. It's an experiential reality. And I think what most of us are seeking who begin the journey into the ideation of that reality is to seek the experiential reality. And therefore, one would say that consciousness choose to experience in its relative limited physical experience on itself until it seeks to go back to the ocean again. So the drop, although apprehensive about its dissolution into the ocean of spirit, is also attracted to it. Therefore, there's nothing to fear from it. Because fear is the basis of all restriction of why someone wouldn't engage in that on some level. And there might be a whole bunch of structures around that. And it's the fear that the show is going to end for me, the Wade, the I, right? And that is the egoic attraction, which all mystics say that we need to surrender to become one with the absolute, which we would call enlightenment itself. I love the perennial wisdom. It's many paths, one end, all these different incredible faces on the mountain, all to the same top. This attachment, this amkara in Sanskrit, we get this egoic layers of identity. I am this body. I am this finite appearance of form. I must extract 
happiness from the world of form. Mm. And that all of these mystic traditions surrender, surrender, surrender the layers of identity, surrender the body, go in deeper into the layers of subtlety, into awareness, go into that sky-like, space-like being that then you become the witness, the observer of the clouds, and then recognize that even that witness, observer, awareness itself is an agent of source. And that you'll never come to the end of exploration. That's what eternal is. When you look all the way to the left and you're like eternity and you look all the way to the right and you're like eternity. And this is an appearance. And there is no beginning. There's no end. Drop the attachment to the appearance. Recognize that going all the way inward all the way to that source is critical for the dissolving of the egoic contraction that then ends up serving you and your family and your friends and your community and the world at the absolute highest morality so yeah this seems to be the core beautiful yeah first chunk of the convo i love that bit that was so fire I love that. And now, actually, this is a great segue because what I would like to play with you on next is what we just talked about in the first chunk. There is a, we mentioned this a couple times throughout, but there's a biochemical component to what Mm -hmm. we talked about. Correct. And so this would be a good way to sort of explain, okay, I'll, I'll give it a framework and then you can tell me what you feel about the framework sure. and then plug in some of the the bio optimizers optimization into it if it resonates so for me a lot of the framework that we just discussed has to do with the the inward component the inward component meaning to recognize yourself as source or infinity expressing itself and then the outward component is sort of the optimization of entrepreneurship or science or creativity these types of things Mm -hmm. as like a unique firework in in this appearance yeah and so now my question would be then would you explain to us the bio-optimizers, biochemical optimization on both the inward process and the outward sure. process? Yeah. Okay. And so, we can pull items as we go also. Sure. Yeah. So let's look at our nervous system structure because that is how we determine the sensory experience of our world and our ability to activate um, awareness or consciousness or thought patterns into physical expressions whether that's movement the aspects of thinking or the aspects of sensing whether it's taste touch smell sight you know and then you get into the more refined intuitive aspects so all those have a commensurate uh, level of uh, neuronal connections in other words there's an axion and a dendrite that connect up in a certain pattern with a concordant biochemical uh, associative set of neurochemicals signature in a sense yeah so for example the the refined movements of a grandmaster in chess have a certain synaptic pattern 
which would be different from, say, an NFL running back, which would be different from a ballerina, which would be different from a painter who paints your house. But all of those have a habitual pattern of neurosynaptic connections concordant with a neurochemical sea of neurotransmitters which go along with it. And so we are able to generate the neural synaptic connections through repetition and training, which is a background that I had through exercise science and that you lift these weights to do these things and you increase the strength and connectivity of very certain patterns of firing, which relate to the development of skills or the development of physical tissue, right? Okay. So that's one aspect. And the second aspect is that we, this is optimized by the neurochemistry from which we're able to manufacture from our metabolic systems and organs and then the delivery systems which make them operate. And it would be safe to say that I would say in the last 80 years or so, we have, since the dropping of the nuclear bomb on Japan after World War II, and the rise of the uh, electrocommunication atomic age, which is, you know, after that, after the war, there was a massive connection between various components of society. There was the transport of goods and services and people to expose ideas and various chemical components. The discovery of the double helix, that kind of stuff. So of yeah, course, yeah. but also just just shipping and communication. Totally. And, and, you know, hey, I can get coffee from South America. I can yeah. get oranges from Florida and I can yeah, get, yeah. you know, tea from China. And, you know, I can get, At you know, Ford scale. cars from Detroit. Through barges on the ocean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden there was a rapid expansion and exposure of, of, of cultural values, ideals, products, services, and an, an experiential reality. And during that process, we to meet the demands of civilization, we rapidly shifted from the processes of many millions of years of evolution into a rapidly expanding technological intervention. And although many of those breakthroughs have certainly uh, made life extraordinary almost mystical to someone just a hundred years ago you know who were riding around on horses and very few people had uh, you know in-house plumbing live streaming a video podcast across the world yeah Yeah. through time and space on their own broadcast i mean it's pretty far out what's happened in the last hundred years but concordant to that there's a lot of unintended consequences and those unintended consequences are we disrupt the natural food supply supply chain uh to meet a rapidly growing policy population which has been expanded through the advent of pharmaceuticals which um, altered the the evolutionary patterns from darwinian evolutionary components you know for example when antibiotics came out people just died of infection from wounds but then antibiotics come out and all of a sudden there was you know a massive expansion of the growth of population because the um, sub optimal immune systems 
were not weeded out through natural selection, that they were supported artificially, if one could say that. But then one could argue that was the natural expression. And so we've got to this experiment. But we're far enough along the experience experiment by third generation that it's undeniable that there's some consequences to technological innovation that we didn't anticipate. And I would say that our capacity to convert what we consume, and so there's the definition of food, what is it, what's required of it. I think our incomplete definition of that food has left disastrous results, yeah. as well as the assumption that we assimilate that food in an optimal way and deliver it so that we can manufacture the neurochemicals that allow for the optimal development of axion dendritic connections. Yep. Okay, and so where I where come into going. the picture, you're really bringing agriculture and food into right. the, the technological evolution of the right. species along right. to this answer to the question. Right. So going back to our awareness and experience of reality or conscious or the ability to go for it is often concordant with a neural connective physiology as well as the neurochemical components. And so one can, um, if one has the, the good fortune to be able to be cognizant of one's existence and the ability to select stimuli that enhance that experience, which yeah. for a great number of people, that's not an option. Yeah which we would like to have empathy and compassion for. Which you also mentioned choice architectures, which right. is critical to this. Right. Okay. So therefore us that does have that choice needs to express that to the maximum capabilities as a benevolent person, because there seems to be uh, more advantages to synergistic operational paradigms than, than to be reduction to there's only me and all that matters. And so I think our biochemical feedback system leans to connectivity as opposed to you know separation mm -hmm. um and my role in that journey as a co-founder of bioptimizers through my own experiential reality as, as a former bodybuilder and as that uh a, a, an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist is to recognize that we've deviated um I would say unintendedly. I'm not going to say it's a conspiracy. Some people might say that it is. But I think it's pretty clear that for most of the population, do not have the capabilities. And I think this is a, a dwindling capability amongst the population at large to access um, the full spectrum of neurochemical pop, uh, possibilities in all of their physiology, especially their neurochemistry which limits the amount of conscious and physical options that they have and when you have a severe impairment of those yeah. um, options we call that disease yeah and when we see an, a massive expansion of those possibilities we call that enlightenment mm -hmm. and so the role that i play in this journey we call life is to help discover the components that optimize the conversion of our food into these vast array of neurochemicals and physiological structures and to share with people the things that I've been able to do to expand the choices I have today, which are far greater than what I had when I was, say, 20. Likewise. Okay, and, so just to hit yeah. the ball back here, it, yeah. would be, it would be something like the focus on the input that then creates the 
biochemistry and choice that makes it more democratized for people to be able to and optimize for people to be able to go all the way in and all the way out. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and not just the so there's a there's a there's an element of assumption though that's built into the nutritional paradigm that I'm uh, I'm really I think is where the origin story of bioptimizers came from and that is the assumption that if I put something in my mouth it is immediately uh, broken down and and, and converted into the elements that allow for that full range of possibility. So assumption, most of nutrition is focused on, well, what are those elements, those base elements that re get reconstituted inside our system? Mm. But I would look, and then, and then the detoxers per se are saying, well, what contaminants are disrupting that process? And then where bioptimizers comes in is actually, how do we, increase the amount of workers the converters to making the transition whether you're using a supplement or a base food or a concocted you know biochemically advanced composite nutrition product through you know science and chemistry or whatever but at the at, at the end point we don't make the assumption on the conversions which most people do and so by optimizers optimizes first the conversion process through the use of enzymes and probiotics, which in my biological observations seem to be the only catalysts of that conversion. Which is enzyme catalyst, catalyzing, correct. yeah. Correct, and probiotics, probiotics. being, in, uh, uh, I would say, like individualized, mobilized catalyst organizations, much more like you would say road crews that are going out and patching up the road. So they are primarily, uh, they, they catalyze certain chemical transactions in the human body because we are living in a symbiotic relationship with these organisms, which for much of society have been eradicated unintentionally through the use of uh, antibiotics, uh, the prolific use of antibiotics. So which first gave a benefit through allowing the expansion of life by re restricting people dying from disease has also wiped out a whole cascade of these workers which mm. are now causing a limitation to the potential expressions of neurochemistry and its concordant states of consciousness and awareness. And so my job and what we do in the company is to optimize that conversion and then optimize the development uh, directly of the neurochemistry itself. And that's where we're at in kind of the journey that myself and my co-founder are on right now. Again, it's just the same response for me to the first answer that you gave to the first question because you can tell again by studying across all of these different disciplines it's made you very polymathic to be able to address this from again we talk about this so much on the program but go all the way to the source go all the way to the most upstream way to tackle the downstream and so again the most upstream that you talk about is this recognition of the input you know, if there is a process over millennia of developing a very specific style of input around the choices that become available to us biochemically 
on that inward and outward trajectory. And then in the last hundred or so years, there's this massive transition to a very monoculture, to a very antibiotic, to a very technologically where you feel like, you know, you're staring at a computer screen for eight hours, that that obviously, and, you know, crunching over like this, there are all of these, if you're not actually going out and bathing in the sun and in the air, you know, you're going to have these pathologies build up and create less choice architecture for the inward and for the outward expression. And so I love that first principle approach to it. And then another potentially good way to address this would be something like, where would you and your co-founder, where would you guys and your company leverage enzymes and probiotics given 2021 and beyond we're heading into these you know these roaring 20s the 2020s and mm-hmm. we're going to just be piling on biotechnology neurotechnology artificial general intelligence just parsing all of this data with and I know BioOptimizers has their sort of path with the personalization component as well to it. But so, okay, so you have this Wade Lightheart unit and it has a very specific composition. Uh, it has a very specific lineage that it came from mm-hmm. with its familial trajectory as well as it has this very specific, you know, thousand bacteria species mm-hmm. in the gut symbiosis. And so now how do you leverage both enzymes and probiotics how do you figure out in these roaring 20s how to leverage those for both the inward actualization realization as well as for the outward unique expression how do you how do you figure out what optimizes that process yeah it's a great question and it's an ongoing research and so um i don't want to state that we all absolutely know all of those things but i can give reference to my own journey as first a bodybuilder and someone who disrupted my digestive system on a performance-based diet, which was concordant to aesthetics, which ended up compromising my health. And then ultimately discovering the principles the con- that the, the issue was my ability to convert what, what I was consuming on a performance diet into those chemicals without having a consequential residual waste or like burning dirty gas, if you will. And so by adding a vast array of throwing more workers at the problem, I was able to reverse the downward trend that happened after my Mr. Universe contest in 2003 when after the contest, which I reached the pinnacle of aesthetic and performance idealistic in the world of bodybuilding, yet uh, had sacrificed my health in a way that I didn't comprehend until I gained 42 pounds in 11 weeks of fat and water going from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow in a very short period of time after literally uh, the devotion of to that craft for 16 years and had it not been for the subsequent you know 42 pounds in 11 weeks yeah yeah and so if it hadn't been for the intervention of uh good dr michael brian who was a, such a radical positive expression of possibility that jarred my state of existence enough to, for me to buy into some of the suggestions you made, which were counter to what I had got to the point. But he was of sufficient magnitude in persona and expression 
that I was willing to let go of what I was experiencing at that moment to in, to play with the ideas and suggestions that he would. And thank God I did. And both Matt and I engaged in that process with the our first experimental aspects of consuming super physiological dosages of various strains of bacteria and enzymes and concordant uh, nutritional paradigms, which were not present hmm. in our current dietary practices. And the results were absolutely clear, certain, and Whoa. definite. And, and it was so impactful Whoa. that during that phase, we both decided that we would dedicate our lives to not only sharing that information, but the continued and ongoing pursuit of ever expanding possibilities by taking that first step and going down the rabbit hole or up the stairway to heaven, whichever way you want to call it, to our absolute expression as beings. And I think cool. to be, to have the good fortune to find that which it is that makes you yeah. what it is that you wish to express in this life is, yes. a, is a great gift. And, huge, huge. and that's why I love doing these things. And yeah. we, you know, we can go way, 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 way out there, but at the fundamental level, someone listening to this, and I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion. And that is stop what you're doing right now. Take a moment and pause and listen. Get out a piece of paper if you want and say, are you experiencing life to what you feel is its full capacity and possibility? And if you are, you don't need to listen any further. You're good. I have no value to offer you. If you think there is the potential for a greater expansion of possibility or that you feel somehow that you're suffering or limited or not feeling what it could be, then I would invite you to the suggestion that you are suffering from neurochemical deficiency caused by a disruption in the food conversion as well as the production of food that leads to an essential full capabilities of generating a, a, a far more varied possibility matrix. So I'm 20 plus years in this journey and I could say I haven't found a ceiling to the potential and there seems to be a point very much like Peter Thiel talks about in zero to one in technological geometric progressions that that same, if you look through fixed systems in a digital reality, which is both the binary choice, our neurochemistry and biology fire a far greater expansion in geometric possibilities. And so therefore, one, if one is really honest about do I want to hook myself into the limit binary possibility expansion or do I want to access the biochemical which may be able to supersede geometric expansion over and above a an artificial intelligence driven system right now which many of us are struggling with the fact has AI actually taken over are we quote unquote booting up the extermination of the human species are we involved in this asymmetric war with uh, other foreign nations who are seeking out self-selection of extermination of the population through uh, the, con the control of algorithmic paradigms which make people believe that you know taking a vaccine or staying at home or wearing a mask or not going to work and producing energy or value units in your society is a good option it would seem to say that right now humanity 
is on the threshold of buying into the artificial intelligence lie, whether that was an unintended foreign access or whether artificial intelligence has taken over a significant amount of human intelligence on a geometric expansion to create us all in an enslavement. I think that we have to really carefully consider the possibility that we are enslaved by some form of technology, whether that's biochemical or digital, that is leading us to feel less expansive in our possibility matrix. And so I'm offering mm -hmm. options. And I do believe that chemistry, by optimizing one's bio biological chemistry and what we attempt to do at Bioptimizers, the vast array of products and services that we offer, it gives uh, a, a, it's a potentiator to other possibilities, whether that's developing new neural connective realities uh, on a you know, neuronal development in your brain so that you can expand consciousness or express it or come to uh, uh, acclimation with our temporal existence and physical form or whether it is to, you know, topple what we see as the tyrannical organizations which is suppressing that. I don't know. You get to, you get to play the game the way that you want. The recognition that the choice architecture, that the matrix of possibilities itself for consciousness to be able to go all the way inward towards its source and all the way outward as its unique expression and to be a part of the process where that feels like it's constantly expanding is paramount rather than the at times like you describe it can feel like there's a contraction when we read things like 50 or so percent of Americans can't afford a $500 sudden bill and mm -hmm. that there's a bifurcation of you go to WTF happened in 1971.com, a very clear bifurcation of what happened between median male income and real GDP. And so you just see this constant increase in real GDP in the U.S. And in the last 50 years, median male income is flatlined. So you wonder, you know, also on a globalization level, what's happening with the 1%, what's happening with the elite, what's happening with decentralization and cryptocurrencies and entheogens and other sorts of emerging markets that are trying to, in a sense, create an inclusive equity in the growing pie for everybody, create more of that choice architecture that is more expansive driven by expansion and then the style of being able to take things like the discoveries that you went through in these last you know 18 or so now years where there's a there are enzymes and probiotics that we can take that create that expansionary choice matrix that then enable us to become more sovereign in our biochemistry whereas in the algorithmic ai driven social fabric sometimes it feels like there is sometimes not as much of that choice sovereignty and so almost as we become more enlightened all of the sort of geopolitical fears 
they dissolve because we have more enlightened leadership. We have more enlightened both top-down and bottom-up style architectures. And so these are going to be keys to the both the inward and outward. So a good question potentially to ask would be, you know, I know the process is a constant discovery, but maybe we can go through some of the products that then enable the inward and outward optimization because you have some things that are very best selling for a long period of time so there's this is a seven blend of magnesium Mm -hmm. and you said that this is in the last couple of within the period of time we were talking about maybe 80 or so years that there's been a significant amount of magnesium stripped away from our intake correct and there's things like that and there's things like in the last 80 years we've seen a proliferation of gluten intolerance correct things like that and so this is gluten guardian and then there's there's a lot of of uh kind of cognition boosting both you know entrepreneurially executed focus and there's also this you know personalization around oh well maybe there is a a relaxation or an expansive component kind of like what magic mushrooms and entheogens provide where you kind of merge with the oceanicness again so mm-hmm. kind of maybe we walk through and then sure yeah, some, so so works. so for the layman that's just coming into this i went and i want to classify um nutrition into a couple of elements there are really two components one is you are delivering materials to construct the physical form or the chemicals which lead to a variety of conditions in other words it's a physical and then uh, there's there's a manufacturing quality or you are converting whatever you're consuming into the energy to drive the power plants of those conversions or those experiences or those sensory perceptions so there's the production of energy and there's a production of materials which are constructed now the intermediary of that is enzymes and probiotics which have been diminished extensively through the process of technological innovation over the last eight years so the Buddha says when law started at the beginning, and I would say humanity 80, has lost 80 years. Yeah, yeah 80 particularly years. because if you look at what happened after the, if you look at post World War II, we had the population started to move into cities to produce goods and services which were transported and delivered around the world through uh, the increase of marketing and telecommunication and the desire, hey, I want, you know, pasta from Italy or olives from Italy and I want oranges from Florida and I want coffee from South America and cars from Detroit, right? And, and that exchange. And so the United States became the manufacturing, the, the, the manufacturing center of the globe and producing things. And we moved away from the British Empire, which had dominated the realm of uh, productive capacity, but being the dominant currency of the world for 200 years, currency being a form of energy exchange. And then the United States came, became the manufacturing component. And then going back to your point in 1970, um, the uh, Kissinger and the Nixon administration, and I would say that Nixon was influenced by Kissinger's policies, which is uh, Full City's Trap, which they identified China as an ascending power and America eventually the declining power and thought if they could engage 
with uh, the Chinese culture that if we encourage them to a capitalistic uh, democracy and produced exorbitant amount of benefits through moving the manufacturing center of the Western Hemisphere into China and through, and not the 1%, through ultra elite personages who were able to leverage uh, essentially a slave class in China through uh, an exorbitant amount of uh, perverse incentives based in the market that eventually China would come around and, and join us in the democratic a, a capitalistic, which I think was a very adolescent and naive concept considering the Chinese empire has existed somewhere for 5,000 years and there hasn't been a, a day of freedom within that structure because it is still a uh, an empiric kind of concept which denatured from the dynasties into the Maoist revolution which led to its day, which was the separation of the idea of spirit and God and reality and now that culture is according to their leader chairman z looking to extend its dominion throughout the entire world with their philosophy and whether they'll be successful or not um i i personally think that that the kissinger administration and their cronies made a, a huge error and in doing so we also allowed for the advent of the chemicalization and and downward destruction of the the essential components to the point that the American individual at the emergency hospital level, 12% of the people are uh, going into emergencies due to gastrointestinal issues related to the food that they're consuming. So we so altered the production and delivery of food through the advent of nitrogen put on the soil to increase crop yield to, to deal with the people who are now living in cities to produce the manufacturing stuff. And then we move from manufacturing to servicing the other manufacturing aspects of other parts of the world. And now that services can be automated through technological innovation. There's really no need for the American idea right now. If we can outsource manufacturing at a fraction of the cost and we can replace the service oriented stuff with some form of artificial intelligence and robotics, there's really no need for the United States on the grand picture. So if you're looking at a grand concept, then is the Eastern philosophy of order over the Western concept of freedom or order and chaos, as Jordan Peterson might put for it, or masculine and feminine conceptuals, if you're looking for Taoist philosophy or light versus darkness, who knows which side of the equation is going to win out in that. But where we intersect here, as I would say that if you took the grand, if you took a summation of say a thousand people a sample segment of society it's without any with a the briefest of observation we are living at the highest form of wealth ever ever humanity has existed even the poorest person inside of the western hemisphere is radically wealthier than almost anyone of a century before. When you you think of the access of communication and technology and just so the idea, this propagated idea that there are winners and losers and victims of the one percent. First off, the one percent aren't the ones that are winning. It's a it's a micro fraction of that of some epic proportion. And I think plotting this all onto the one percent. My experience is the one percenters are the one that are bringing more wealth, more value at a at a, at a better rate than others. And is the 0 
on some sort of diabolical plan. I don't know. I, 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 I tend not to. I think it, it's not a good idea to go down the conspiracy component because then one becomes very pessimistic. And it's a very attractive component because then one can be placed within their own victimhood of that system. And oftentimes will advent um, radical changes and disruptions in society. And if we look at those disruptions throughout history, the rise of the Bolshevik Revolution in uh, the Soviet Union, right? The rise of Nazism in you know Germany in the last century, uh, the and, and the rise of the Cultural Revolution in China, all of which resulted in at least a hundred million people dying, a world war, star massive starvation and stuff. One would say that those ideologies are not the direction that we want to go with our cancel culture and these things. And so for us. The first step is we need to regain the biochemical terrain within ourselves so that we can consider alternative possibilities to that which we are being subjected to through overt authoritarianism. Because one can say that in the last 250 years, the American experiment has created more value and an increase in wealth, not just here in the United States, but globally better than any system implemented to date. And so many people are so quick to condemn the, 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 the aspects of society that isn't working, but they're, they're, they're looking at the problem through a very limited lens of the narrow presence with no historical reverence or reference, which is interesting because that's exactly what, that's exactly what happened in China when they, did, they took away thousands of years of beautiful Chinese philosophy in this new... Um, concept of atheistic uh centralized control and so one has to determine am i am, am i here to be a human to experience the separate aspect of reality as an individual is that of more value or to be part of a electromagnetic grid where i'm just another number another peg and if i get outside of that i'll be swept out of the system very much like a coder is going to eliminate a virus within the system or a bug in the program. And so which is more important, being the bug in the program or being the or, or being a peg or a, a a zero or a one inside the the matrix. And so only the individual can do that and I would prefer that we retain the possibility of being the anomaly as opposed to being the conformist. And the totally. only way that I see that being a possibility right now is if one is able to completely or to a, a large degree take control of their individual neurochemistry and physiology so that that possibility is even available to you. Because if you are going to work and living in the kind of technical limitation, you can now live an existence today in the world and know nothing about anything other than the single function that you are, whether that is, you know, putting the rubber on the bottom of a sneaker whether that's swiping something at a grocery store or making lattes at Starbucks or looking at spreadsheets through your computer to determine the margin components for, you know, mega biggie corp. 
All of those are a highly specialized component, which really doesn't have a lot to do with the expression of consciousness itself. And so therefore I would say that even though I'm very much in love with many of the technological integrations, we are at a point where I think a large part of the population, going back to that sample set of a thousand people, are not experiencing joy and happiness and the full range of emotional capabilities uh, we're not we're seeing a, a moving away from uh, standardized relationships and intimacy and uh, socialization as humans tend to be a very social animal so we we've we've outsourced biochemical connection and insourced a a, a technological digital representation of connection which I do not think sufficiently fulfills the replication of more biological organisms on the planet and we've been sold that somehow making more humans is a bad idea and so it would seem that there is a prevalent uh, concept that is being brought forth into humanity that the natural state of evolution and the propagation and growth of our species is somehow not good and I would say that that's coming from a source that is non-human which is developed from these artificial zero and one systems that is subjugating us to a a less than experience and so i hope to reverse that trend and and activate the rebels and activate the the, the rage against the machine mm. and you know so i wouldn't say i'm the one but i may be morpheus and suggesting you know broadcasting a signal as hey you can take the red pill or the the blue pill and i'm going to show you how deep the rabbit hole goes I really appreciate the, again, the depth of the perspective and one of the fascinating components to it that I felt was a pretty, in a sense, a simple way of potentially understanding it is something along the lines of just like the style of, as you were saying here on the left is like something that's a little bit more conformity driven where every single individuated firework is some sort of a similar color similar expression and cog in a machine and then on this individuated firework is a unique color a unique expression a unique potentially contribution a unique gift and so in many ways this reminds me of you know the synthesis of you know recognizing in many ways the the east and the west taking like a sorting algorithm you take the the best from both sides you take the best from the collectivist the best from the non-duality the best from the hyper spiritual and you merge that you drain the dirty bath water and you take from the west you take the hyper individuation you take the the benefits of the scientific method and you take the benefits from the unique artistic expression of each individuation and then you merge those two together you also drain the dirty bathwater of the west and you gain in doing so like a sorting algorithm separating the wheat from the chaff merging those two together you get what is potentially the greatest expression of a civilization that's possible to our trajectory and 
it's exciting because a lot of it does have to do with this most fundamental neurochemical, physiological understanding because sovereignty in many ways, especially when living in a very algorithmically driven civilization where it feels like a lot of the work is hyper repetitive and also being fed countless amounts of salt, oil, and sugar, and just being sedated and gluttonous and scrolling on social platforms without any motivation, that by potentially undergoing a little bit of the bio-optimizers while simultaneously getting a little bit of self-discipline, maybe going on fasts, going and bathing in the sun or the air exercising, sleeping better, pursuing entrepreneurship with more vigor, that these sorts of processes enable the anomalies to fire and become more celebrated as fireworks, which is which is really critical to mm-hmm. actually make sure that the the social fabric prospers. So would it be fair then to say that there's a there's a, a propi- there's a proprietary blend that has in a sense been molecularly formulated iterated over and over and over again to become optimized to deliver a very specific enhancement whether it's for the inward or for the outward sure but let's give relative context to the listener here because I want to be of maximum utility. And so if we're looking at our experiential reality as a human and the the single um, component of, of the human organism or the protoplasm is a single cell. So one would say that if we want to maximize choice or prosperity of the human experience, we would want to be able to have those cells to function in its full range of capabilities. And in order to do that, I said, okay, so let's build some first principles first. Okay, so most of the world of nutrition, from which I have an extensive background and experience in, uh, make the, I think, the fatal flaw that your quality of life is first determined by the food selection they have. And I would say that's not accurate. I would say that there are principles superior to that. So if we look at the functioning of what makes a cell function, first and foremost, we should be able to determine what is going to lead to get to these products. And so one of the things that I do is I give away my awesome health course so that people can set the paradigm first of how I have arrived at the development of these things. But... You can't supplement yourself out of a poor lifestyle and you need to apply first principles first in order to maximize the benefit of these tools. And I would say if, if resources are limited and they always are to a certain extent for most people, and that is whether it's time or energy, those who have the most energy units available in the term of dollars tend to have the least amount of time. And those who have the least amount of energy units as dollars seem to have the most time. It's an interesting paradigm here in the West, not shared in other parts of the world where where abject poverty is, where they have no time. All of the time is just the struggle to survive. I mean, just listen, just go listen to um, 
Francis Nagano's story recently on Joe Rogan, and you can see what is the actual reality for billions of people on the planet. His story is truly remarkable of his ability to, he's living in the modern world, but he's experienced abject poverty beyond comprehension. Or you go to India and he'll experience abject poverty. So we do have a certain uh, automatic uh, capabilities of just being winning the birth lotto and being here in the West and the foundational components. But when we go back to cellular uh, metabolism, we can go, well, food is not the primary factor because we can go many months without food. So therefore, what's more important than food? Well, we can only go a few weeks maybe with water, without water. So water trumps food. But if I were to hold my breath here, I would only go a few minutes. Therefore, uh, in orders of magnitude, uh, before food, we have air and water. But if I was to strap you to the floor where you had no ability to move, um, the wasting away, as anybody that's seen anybody in the hospital, is both rapid in virtually every function of the body, from cognition, consciousness, the neurochemical happiness, the movement, to physiological capabilities, muscle wasting, organ wasting, all of that uh, is pretty accelerated if movement is part of it. So I would say that air, water, and exercise, the aspect of movement, because yep. the biggest aspect of technological innovation has been the restriction of movement, movement. Which, yeah. which the biological organism has a built-in refinement to preserve energy for the dur durability and procreation of the individual species. And technology was invented to limit the amount of, uh, of energy expenditure required in order to survive. However, we've taken that to a step so far that the technological innovations are creating a sedentary lifestyle, which are actually preventing us and, and limiting the amount of energy that we have. Yeah. And then the machines have now created uh, biochemical inventions or interjections into society, which are further uh, disrupting our ability to access the nutrients that give us the biochemical range of possibilities. And so therefore, I know that we live in a solar system. So I tend to look at food as uh, condensed light, as is everything on the planet. I'm a bit of a physicist by nature. Uh, it was kind of certainly an intention and an aptitude that I had, more so than a chemist, actually. And so and when I created the philosophy of how do we get to where we're going, I created uh, air, water, exercise, and sunlight. Basically, the conversion of whatever it is we are consuming, information, sensory experience, and food, because there's food for our mind, there's food for our soul, totally. at which are forms of frequencies. I mean, the, the yeah. and we can take any a, a variety of technological innovations and and kind of see what joy resonates at and love and, and all the way down to hate and anger and disgust and all those on a frequency domain, which is the conversion of sensory experience into physical realities with the cascade of chemical reactions. So air, water, exercise, and the conversion of sunlight into the appropriate range of experiences will then lead us to the cell. And at the cell, we know this. There are a few things that make the cell work better. Because energy metabolism happens through a force called electron covalent transfer. And the efficiency of that in a mitochondria, which is actually an integrated bacteria into the cell, which serves as a cellular membrane. They were once separate and became concordant. And in existing in a symbiotic relationship, very much like our microbiome exists in a symbiotic relationship to the protoplasmic mushroom we call us. 
So the That's like Lynn Margolis. Right. So the cell is also equivalent to the whole organism. So we can extract from the cell the things that optimize the cellular function is the efficient conversion of one thing into a stream of electrons which produce energy. So if we were talking a car engine, if our mitochondria is like that of a car engine, we could survive on a variety of different fuels. We could burn diesel, we could burn gasoline, we could burn petroleum or kerosene or uh, electric stored uh, coal matter in the form of electricity or the stored wind or stole solar in the form of electricity if we we're running a Tesla unit, which is not quite yet to the so efficiency. So what is the individual unit of the cell, 30 trillion of them in the body, what is that individuated unit using for energy? Is it using yes. polluted sources of energy right. or really strong regenerative sources of energy? Right. So we would say that the, the uh, efficiency of the conversion of that fuel is going to determine how much waste product is is produced. And the waste product is what creates free radical damage or the oxidative yeah. damage and the, and the mutation of the DNA and eventually leading to the inability for that cell to replicate as it was designed and the advent of disease. So how do we address that? Well, we know that the things that optimize the cellular function our enzymes and probiotics are the only thing that does the work in the body. They are the workers, the converters, the things that build the the house of our body that hook up the electrical, the plumbing, they hook up the conversion of the energy from the power grid into our bodies. So if we liken ourselves to a house, uh, you know, proteins, carbohydrates, fats, minerals, and vitamins are the equivalent of, you know, the, the wood, the steel, the um, electrical wires, you know, the plaster, whatever you want to call it. But if you just drove those all out to a, a site, which is what most nutritional programs are advocating, and you had no workers to put it together, then 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 you can't really build a house. You come back two weeks later, the house isn't built. You need workers. And the amount of workers that you have, these converters will convert both um, one form of energy into a usable form by our biochemistry and will convert the building blocks into the subsequent matters that allow us to build the body house and so um, bioptimizers became one of the biggest advocates of first the conversion concept by improving digestive aids of the conversion based on modern technology because our definition of food didn't involve, made the assumption of conversion without the knowledge of that. And then the second thing is we know that uh, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, minerals, vitamins are the, and I would, are, are the, aspects that build the body and then essential fuel sources whether they are carbohydrates and there's right now it's in vogue to say that carbohydrates are unnecessary but i would say that um i would say that's i think that that, that carbohydrates may contain information packets very much like proteins or very much like fats which have a which have a, a, a array of biochemical possibilities that are being left behind thanks to dietary tribalism and so I'm, I'm, a, I'm dietary agnostic. Choose whatever mm. form works best for your genetics and epigenetics and lifestyle in order to convert those units into the possible matrix of neurochemicals and building blocks to build your house and offer the consciousness possibilities. And then that leads you to the mind, which is mental beliefs and attitudes. And then how do you determine your mental beliefs and attitudes? Well, that's largely in part by the group that you inherited and was around your tribal dynamics, if you will whether that's digitally driven or, you know, localized. And 
we have a certain bigger array of that now than we ever have of possibility but we also have the concordant aspect of comparison which can paralyze people and then the attitude and what i'm almost finished but so how do we how do we determine that we go to the last piece of the formula which is education testing and coaching and education comes from the root word adduce and to adduce you learn from within and to learn from within you run a test and the test that you run will determine your outcome and then there's one piece to that which i call the etc component which is a coach is someone who has previously run a variety of tests and found some certain general principles yes. that can cut the time a cost yes. of running these experiments by saying hey run this these 10 15 20 experiments because we know it leads you to a, be, a, a, a an optimal level of choice aka the guru right and that became the awesome health formula air water exercise sunlight optimizers mental beliefs and attitude education education testing and coaching and we give that cool. course away to buy cool. optimizers because that now leads context in a process in a structure to get to the point where you'll get maximum value you could take these product and get the benefits, but you won't understand necessarily why. And that's fine for some people. They don't care. They've got digestive pain. They want these enzymes. Yeah, it yeah. goes away. They can't digest their bowl of spaghetti. They take gluten guardian. They can't manufacture the neurochemicals that make the thing. They take cognibiotics. They got acid reflux or heartburn. So they take hydrochloric acid and everybody takes that. They get they get every kind of infection known to man. So they take a P3OM and they don't get that anymore. They get rid of food poisoning or that they find that now protein doesn't sit like a stone in their stomach or their food doesn't sit and causes digestive distress by taking masszymes. And that was been the primary driver of our business right up until recently where we got more involved in the nervous system and down regulation of the nervous system to overstimulation, which is the development of magnesium. And then that led to the development of our latest products in Newtopia, which is, the, is, which is neurochemical optimization to the point of customization of the neurochemistry that I want to access at a given time based on my own unique chemistry and my own ability to run various stacks uh, in nootropic combinations to elicit the kind of states that we want where we can experiment with a variety of conscious possibilities that aren't accessible to someone who who isn't able to manufacture or create the well of opportunities biochemically to allow that to happen. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Love it. That was so spot on. I love in awesome how focused the first component is on the very indigenous understanding of naturopathy because that is such a critical aspect that is given our technologically driven world like you indicated as being sacrificed swept under the rug as not important when it's actually the very first principle and then also the as you broke down everything that it's formulated itself into on a biohacking level with bio-optimizers and now with Newtopia, which we'll talk about here in a moment, I just wanted to share this really interesting style, like visual recap of something that you were talking about there, which was that in essence, you kind of have this like 
the unhealthy fuel for the cell, which is the fundamental unit, there's 30 trillion of these in our bodies, the unhealthy fuel leads to pathology and the healthy fuel leads to flourishing. And so really at the most kind of like fundamental level, we're beginning to see that I must be going out into the air and breathing fresh air. I have to be bathing in the sun. I have to be moving my body. I can't be stuck behind a computer for even more than 60 minutes at a time. I shouldn't be behind that device without going for at least five or 10 minutes to go and walk and stretch and do some push-ups and jumping jacks and move around a bit. And to recognize that everything that I'm putting in is an input everything is an input all of what we just described is an input and so is the information that we take in get yourself away from the frequencies of polarization propaganda and of the mass media garbage and get yourself to the vibrational frequencies of enlightenment and get yourself to the vibrational frequencies like we talked about with gurus coaches people that have actually been there and done that whether it be on the path of enlightenment inward or whether it be with the entrepreneurship and the art expression outward to be able to find those optimize those efficiencies for oneself and to recognize that the fuel that we put in information wise is also amplifying or contracting our choice architectures and so whether it be informational fuel or whether it be biotech fuels or whether it be basic foods that we take in, waters that we drink, the amount of sleep that we get if we choose to move our bodies or not throughout the day. And that then translates directly into how well our cells function and how well we are able to be more anomalous versus conformist. And so just... All of this ties together so brilliantly across these maps and it's and I love that. I want to ask about the about the both within biooptimizers and with Newtopia. I want to ask about obviously having such a a breadth and a catalog and also around with Newtopia being able to sort of take this this at a personalized level. Is it a I think when we talked, it was a $300 a month subscription. Is that right? Well, that's if you want a full array of, we have eight different uh, nootropic formulations. Each one of those, when someone engages in Newtopia, they can go for three different levels depending, but let's just go to the end degree. Yeah, you can. we can talk about some of those right now. So what the... Let's just deal with the fundamental issue that has happened with most nootropics. So most nootropics to the development today are, are in two different levels. There's the pharmacologically developed uh, cognitive enhancers, which have proliferated the Ivy League institutions and large corporate entities, which high threshold pressure due to technological innovation require. Those have traditionally things like Adderall, Modafinil, blah, 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 all down that line. And then the pathological components would be everything that's been array been been invented and developed in order to stabilize uh, 
a functional human being through pharmacological intervention through psychiatry and psychology. And that's a whole other issue. I'm not going to address that one. I'm going to go to optimization with the assumption that you're at a, a baseline that is seemingly functional in the world today. Um, so we know that if we were to examine your chemistry versus my chemistry, there would be some unique components. So as a child of the 80s, if you can remember those old synthesizers, which had all the different bells, you know, the mids and the trebles and the bases and the left and the right and the center channel and all that sort of stuff. So you can imagine that, that, uh, that display as the neurochemical potential and possibility that one exists. And there's dominance. So some people like bass, some people like treble. So when if you go to uh, one of the great greats in the performance world, uh, the strength sensei, Charles Poliquin, who left this plane much too early, he was the first person to my awareness that was able to make the connection between Chinese medicine and neurochemical dominance. There was no bridge between Western pharmacological science and Chinese medicine. And both condemned each other quite consistently. And he found the bridge and with his high performance athletes who were subjected to extraordinary levels of stress, he found, first off, he determined that the basic neurochemical dominance, whether it was acetylcholine or, doma, or dopamine, particularly were concordant with the ability to perform at high levels of Olympic level. In fact, in fact he said, if, if you took a Braverman test, which is a basic test, you can t turn it neurochemical dominance. Um, he, he had said, you know, if you weren't dopamine or acetylcholine, he never even bothered training you because you're probably an artist or some aspect of society because you're and not to discredit those people but from his world he was on a performance oriented but it led me to believe well what is the neurochemistry of creativity what is the neurochemistry of artistry because i think a if life it's not well dopamine or acetylcholine based what is it what is it right so maybe it's serotonin maybe it's gaba right there's all these rates well it turns out there's about eight dominant types of neurotransmitters that are, go in a various arrays inside our body. And we may, through diet or restriction or inability to convert, be limited in some of those. So people's range of human expression or possibility or creativity is one related to neural connectivity and other related to neurochemical cascade and we all know people who were maybe very at the top of their game at a certain part in life but then there's a slow degeneration for a variety of reasons okay and we call that the aging and degeneration process and so we looked at that and said well what if we can what if we can use technology to inject and optimize specific neurochemical com combinations that a person can self-select through a strategic process so that they can start altering their chemistry. So I'll give you an example, right? So take, this is a kind of a fun one that Matt and I, we, we used to engage in a variety of things we called the Zamner zone. That's a whole story in itself. But you take this here, right? And we know that the array of elements that we've put in this bottle uh, lead to- some of those? Yeah, th that lead to a, a neurochemical optimum. So I go like this, right? 
and w and give us some of them also of the elements put in to the formula as much as you are free to feel free to share. I won't share that proprietary information in the Rock. context of this. Roger but what that. I will say that Roger right that. now I can instantly feel a shift in my neurochemical cognitive capability right now. Okay? I've just I've just used it bottled technology to shift my neurochemistry. What makes this different than say a drug is that a drug is going to have a certain amount of negative free radical residues that our body's going to have to process which lead to a set maybe sometimes a higher peak but a continuous degeneration and an eventual dependency. What we've developed is compounds of an organic nature because it turns out when you do the chemistry that the better the extract and the cleaner the organics that and the source materials the better the concordant result and the and as opposed to being a limited stimulative effect which most nootropics are just pounding the nervous system what this is is filling up the bucket of neurochemicals so that you can access it for an extended period of time and there seems to be a buildup over time as you fill up what was an empty reservoir of neurochemicals. And so what I would suggest that people in the world today mm. that aren't experiencing the full array of possible as a human aspect, you can shift this by using Newtopia products in a way that allows us to fill up the uh, deficient neurochemicals that have, have been a result of the last 80 years of depletion of the materials and the conversion factors that allow us to manufacture those which lead to expansion we can go into that right away i got through this whole process of the awesome formula and the organics and the dietary and the conversion process and all these elements but newtopia is kind of the pinnacle of that development where we go straight to the neurochemistry itself now for some people they may want to go down that route first to give credence to what we did before I happen to go through this kind of pedestrian process. And so our team has been able to put these together. And uh, the results are anybody who is reliant on their brain to produce results in the world. Um, if you, so if you make a living with your brain or you require thinking, and I would say that in a technologically advanced world, that is a very, very totally. dominant, your, 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 your ability to, the, the more that you're able to come up with great ideas or efficient ideas or value creation ideas, the more valuable your time, energy, and the more energy units that you get in the form of money and remuneration and friends and possibilities, then um, I think in a technological world, it gives you a biochemical edge that allows you to expand and leverage the advantage of technology without being a victim of said technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. Yep. And so the things that you were showing there, for example, um, you know, things like uh, if you look at, we've got upbeat, which is a neural combination, which is associative to feeling up, you know, that feeling that you're feeling upbeat and positive and, you know, with a positive nature. Um, over here, we've got things like the power solution, which is, kind of like almost uh, if you're lacking in drive in uh, I would say ag aggressively attacking that which it is that's probably a good option for you there's another one which is a little softer there which is nectar rx which is uh, 
I would say a, a lighter form of drive and stimulation so that you can maintain focus and attention. We got things like brain flow, which is a, is a neurochemical con, consistent with being in a flow state. And then we have, a, you know, like another one, I think we call it, we, I, I don't think I have it here. I think it's actually in there somewhere. I put it in the bag. I didn't bring the actual box, which is focus savagery, <laughs> which is like, a, you know, maybe you're writing a book or work, working on a musical composition or have a paper due. You would use that for a hyper focus. There's other ones um, like the Zamner juice, for example, which is really great in being connected and socially. And how often can you also hit? Well, it's going to be. So there's another piece yeah. to this puzzle because each person's capabilities to manage, tolerate and optimize are going to vary a significant amount. Yeah. And so what we've done is people fill out a form. And in that form, they're kind of given some predispositions about their work, their lifestyle and what they're going to do, which is going to indicate neurochemical dominance. We okay. manufacture a customized blend in the variance of these possibilities to that individual. And then they give the feedback to our chemists that allows them to tweak the formulation based on their experience. They're like, ah, you know, that was a little too intense. I want to dial that back. I didn't feel that much on this one. So can we expand that one? And there's, you know, about uh, a sigma uh, in, to the left or to the right of the baseline formulation that will probably account for 90% of the population's neurochemical possibilities. And one of the things that we do at Bioptimizers because we uh, disperse these to all of the people that work for our company is when we start our meetings, it's like, okay, what's your stack today? And what's really interesting, just even in our, in our, in, you know, in our small and connected company, the, the variance within the group of people that we work together is wildly different. There are some patterns that we have seen that seem to be most concordant for people would like as far as you know some people one of the more popular one, ones is brain flow and and the, the nectar x the, those two are probably the most common ones and and that people seem to get the best or most effective results relative to work but then there's the apex and brain flow and xan reduce and so depending on what your role is um, you're going to experience different things uh, from different products. And so what this offers is a cornucopia of customized nootropic blends, which have baseline aspects. And then you get to stack each one of those to your own symphony to essentially make the own music for your own mind. And yeah. that's where we've kind of just completely obliterated the nootropic conversation over and above anything that's been created pharmacologically and anything that's been created in the nutrition field from a nootropic blend. And uh, fortunately, the the chemist that we, we, we are working with has done an extraordinary job of doing this. And it's our job to get this out to the masses because I think the only way out of the matrix is through biochemical optimization to realize that we don't have to follow the choices of conformity, which are being... Uh, propagated upon the population i see how this relates on a metaphysical level consciousness level biochemical level Let's see if i can hit the ball with a good synthesis here from the beginning of our conversation until now so it seems as though as we both talked about this being an appearance of infinity expressing itself 
in that all of the different possibilities as you gave with the music example, which we frequently give on the show as well, is that you can never come to the end of all of the different combinations of musical notes. And so this is an infinite symphony and this song, this appearance is a song, unit, verse, one song. And so in an endless amount of songs. And so within the appearance of form that is this song that there is this Wade Lightheart character and this Atlas character and all these characters that are watching the program and that all of these characters have a very unique not only neurochemistry and physiology but also they have a unique style of union with source and they have a unique style of expression like a firework outward as well in a very non-conformist style way but rather in a very expressionary individuated gift oriented style way and so now that appearance of form comes as another in a sense musical combination where you're your own song and i'm my own song and that's its own unique neurochemistry and physiology that then with Newtopia, there's sort of a process of being able to pay in on a monthly basis to be able to access the personalization to my unique biochemistry that then enables me to even work with the chemists, work with the formulators on the process of tweaking the formulations in both directions and sort of regaining that sovereignty, that choice architecture that we were talking about. Yeah. So for the first time ever, the individual consumer is able to be a participant in the optimization of their own biology based on their own tests. So we essentially take turnover manufacturing control to you, the individual so that you self-select and run your own set of experiments on your own neurochemistry. Mm. And here's the best part. Not only do you get to pull the levers and dials to your own, make your own music, so to speak, your own mental music, but we de-risk the entire experiment by saying, if after your first month, you're not completely enamored with both the results and the process, will refund every cent that you paid to us. And if you'd like the song to continue to go, we'll keep the supply of of, of notes (laughs) so that you can play the symphony that you so desire. And we encourage you to provide us that feedback because it allows us to develop a a larger cascade of, 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 other instruments to play for the for the for for the band of your mind if you will and and that to me has invigorated my experience and why i'm so passionate about sharing this with people because over just the last six months not only has bioptimizers and newtopia uh, caused a rapid expansion of our business but the expansion of human uh, experiences on an individual basis for everyone who's participated in this process has been amplified geometrically as well. And so what that means is to me is that, hey, we're on to something. It's a great movement. It may be a breakthrough moment 
for biological organisms. And we are inviting people who are excited by that idea to participate in the emergence of a greater sense of neurological control and neurological possibilities by amplifying this. And of course, there's other people in the biohacking space that's using neurofeedback, like, you know, Dave Asprey and 40 Years of Zen. I'm a big advocate of that, or BioCybernaut and, and some of the other neurofeedback systems that are out there, which allow you to alter the, the neurophysiological connections. So going back to the architecture of that, what we provide is the chemicals to allow for a greater uh, a sea of possibilities from a neurochemical perspective so that yep. you might be so inclined to uh, develop new skills or new abilities or optimize the ones that you have or all those sort of things. So we're just early into this journey and we're in, we're inviting people who think, hey, this is a great idea. I'd like to play on that experimental regime yep. to, to contact our company and, and we'll, we'll hook you up and you can experience what you want to experience. And so there's a promo code in the bio of the video. It's simulation 10, all lowercase simulation 10. And you can use that on biooptimizers.com. And what you can what you can do is you can go to checkout, enter in the promo code, you get 10% off. And on biooptimizers you can pick up the, you know, the myriad products that that Wade was teaching us about. And also is the Newtopia subscription available also on BioOptimizers? Yeah, and that's a very limited amount at this stage because we're okay. only going to, our manufacturing capabilities is limited at this point yeah. to make this level of quality. And this isn't, this isn't like, this isn't like a, a marketing hype of hey you know there's a scarcity thing pitch here that is a that is a manufacturing biochemical reality so we at, have at least for now at least yeah. for now at yeah. this at this stage um and when they make an order of that we also provide a couple of other things one and how do they make an order of that uh, they just they just go to the website and they can they'll, they'll be able to find it and access it and there's a code. specific place on the site for yeah we'll, we'll put the links into the, the okay the, for newtopia okay. yeah yeah okay okay yeah all right so you can find newtopia also on bio-optimized yeah so, and okay. particularly cool. the biological optimization blueprint will kind of give the framework that matt and myself the co-founders of the company use to the application of the general sense that we talked about we give the awesome health digital course and then we have also available to people who participate that in comes the, with newtopia it, yeah because that order is a high enough margin so if you order products at a, well, i think it's over 150 bucks or something you get the blueprint so the 300 or so a month price point is solely for the personalization but then on top of that is the payment for the actual product you get the products and everything you get the whole oh, enchilada and that yeah and that's oh, enough okay. to, to Oh, okay. you, you get to you get to play the neurochemical game every day of the month. Yeah. There's a step down a two hundred dollar and a hundred dollar roughly program. That's ten dollars. Ten dollars a day is nothing to pay. It's a joke. Yeah, it's that. an absolute. It, yeah, it's actually it's it's fantastic, and yep. I've yet to have anyone who hasn't who hasn't tried even the lowest forms to scale up to the maximum program and say okay i'm in i love this <laughs> and so you know it's really exciting for us as a company and to, to be in this position where i believe that providence 
has put me in the position where I can be an advocate for this because I've been a consciousness researcher for so long. I've been a, a health advocate for aesthetics and performance and health virtually my entire life. And suddenly, as we are faced with what I would call biochemical extermination, that Providence has provided these tools. And I do believe that it's quite possible that this is uh, an adaptive response. So up until this point, um, the environmental factors have been the driver of Darwinian evolution, right? There's been external factors. But what's interesting with technological innovation, humans themselves have become the uh, the stimulus for mutation or adapt the, the forced adaptation to a technological world so we've, we've innovated so much over the last eight years and removed ourselves from normal uh the our, our natural existence for millions of years that i believe that homo sapiens are now going through a mutation phase where we're going to have like you know homo digitalis and homo spiritus and homo uh, genetic you know geneticus for people are and then you know we're all sort of a cybernetic organism you know with our attachment to technology and so we have all these variants that is that is happening and and some of those experiments are going to work out and some of those are going to be breakaway dominant ones just like if you go to Yuval Noah or Noah Yuval Harari's books on on sapiens and homo deus and 21 lessons for the 21st lesson I think he's listed two binary kind of options. I think there's a little bit more of an array there. And this is one of the potential possibilities that I think that allows us to adapt to uh, aggressively changing circumstances that will potentially engage the survival of the next generations to come. So from my perspective... And hopefully democratize the costs even more to enable more people that don't have their basic needs even being met in the developed world, even in the developed world, to be able to access the Newtopia-style technologies to enhance themselves, as we're talking about. Yeah, so it's... Which the early adopters do end up making the democratization downstream, which is great. Yeah, and that, and, and that's the thing. And, and so one... It's kind of goes back to the, the old story of the talents. Whatever you are given, whether it's one talent, three talents, five talents, whether you are born rich or poor or super intelligent or not super intelligent, you, 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 you get the hand that you've been played and you play that hand to the best of your ability. And Providence has put me in this position. And so I feel it is my moral, ethical duty, not only to this generation, but for the generations to come, to provide this as a risk-free opportunity for people to experience and see if it's for them and they want to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. And, and, I, and I, I remove any sense that they need to stay committed to it or I remove the risk of it, you know, and, and, and leave them with the possibility of choice. And if that works for them, continue on and share it with others. And if it doesn't work for them, thank you for the experiment. Continue on with your experiments. And if you have something of value that you can share with me, hey, I'm up for that too. In many ways, this is this 2020s, these roaring 20s are the 
playground in a sense for the evolution of artificial general intelligence, bio and neurotech and decentralization and cryptocurrencies and the inclusive equity that we can do in our smart contracts and our mechanism design that then enable the shared equity entheogens these enlightenment pedagogies that can be brought to the billionaires of the planet and the fortune 500 ceos and the un general assembly and the u.s congress and all this type of stuff where more and more from the top down at the same time from the bottom up we can enlighten and enrich ourselves and create a inclusive equity into the actual social contracts around us in society to where we don't even have to necessarily, although it's really the story of all of these different possibilities around, oh my gosh, you know, Elysium and uh, all of these other catastrophic scenarios or versus the ones where it's a little bit less catastrophic or where it's just, you know, utopia. And so there's a very much a possibility space here in this decade and beyond where we by doing things like what we've been talking about with bio-optimization and optimizing ourselves both in the inward trajectory and the outward trajectory you know we become the ones that undergo the process of recognizing that the more that we enable larger choice matrices and more maximizing human potential and more flourishing more enlightenment and less ego the more that there will be less suffering the more that there will be more abundance and more flourishing and that's going to be a critical component of these next couple of decades and that's sort of the connecting thread in a sense between everything that we talk about from metaphysics and consciousness and enlightenment all the way in the dissolving of the ego all the way out to the unique expression of each individuation and not destroying that via conformity but rather enabling the uniqueness the individuation to flower and flourish as a brilliant scent from each flower of us expressed and that that is the symphony unfolding in this expression and to never turn down the music of the flowers expression or to never to only be focused on helping the musical expression of each individuation become more in tune rather than out of tune or to help increase the volume of the flowers that are blossoming with their unique aromas rather than trying to you know squelch them and so you know, these styles of analogies and metaphors in this entire process sort of help with the with the visualization of what's going on on across all of these levels and layers and that you're one of the many components and you're doing it at the level of the of the neurochemistry and the physiology, which is a huge, huge, huge component and you tell a story to somebody about a blank canvas and that blank canvas having an infinite amount of ways that you can take colors and paint on it and within 
potentially a couple of minutes of conversation and contemplation, the person can recognize themselves as an expression of infinity and stop seeking happiness externally and being a bubbled up ego and pop dissolve that. So a story can be a catalyst, mm -hmm. a biochemical experience on a daily basis can be a catalyst. All of these different catalysts that exist in order to maximize prosperity, maximize those choice architectures. Yeah, and and I think right now we're in the convergence of two ideologies. And I'm not really sure what you mean by equity. And I'm always mindful when people just, throw, throw I'll just I'll just briefly yeah. explain. Yeah, just shared equity in the sense of inclusive stakeholding, in the sense of having a a social contract given tokenomics and smart contracts that enable us to do things like this where the as silicon valley did about 30 years ago or so which was that okay now it's not just about shareholders extracting maximal finances and that being it which still is relevant today which we're trying to fix perverse incentives but that Silicon Valley said that, hey, guess what? We're actually going to give our employees equity that's vested on cliffs every single year. That was one step towards shared equity or inclusive stakeholding. And then there's many steps as well within that process that actually maximize human potential and eradicate suffering and meet basic needs across the planet to make communities and environments and even customers, even given tokens, even minor uh, stakeholders in the equation. Yeah, and I, I, I have a, a bit of concern with that because I think the attraction of those concepts are, are very real from an intellectual perspective, but the actual expression of those have given off opposition. So if you look at the techno tyranny that has emerged out of those concepts in the form of algorithmic dominance of your thought process and the canceling of those which differ from the founders of that idea and the concepts of these equity and we're going to do this for the good of the population makes a large assumption that I know what's best for the population. And I think the ultimate goal of the Western mind was the development of the, 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 the ultimate autonomy is the, the, the individual itself. And that individual is responsible um, to play the cards that it that it's handed and I think that when you centralize thought and you centralize control um, which tends to happen with technological innovation then the potential to actually uh, oppress or suppress ec grows exponentially which we witnessed with the rise of Marxist philosophy in uh, the Soviet Union and we saw it being repeated um, also in, you know, in, in China, um, where a very small segment of the population dominates a large part. With, there's a, those, those models historically have produced the biggest gap. And so I think that uh, local, um, localized programs where you connect with the community members within your immediate field that you have the expression to is superior to centralized control. So, yeah, so, and then that's where, totally, and, and what happens is totally. now we have these, we have the politicization 
we haven't even played yet with yeah. we haven't even played yet with what I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah, it's can a, expand it, on that. It's just what's coming through this expression of infinity is basically what infinity is screaming at us to do that enables a synthesis of both the individuation with the robust anti-fragile social contracts and social fabric itself. It's merging both the best of both together and draining the dirty bathwater of both. Because over and over again, people go 100 million deaths in the 20th century, 100 million deaths in the 20th mm -hmm. century. Very important. Dirty bathwater. Archive that code. It's, it's where we've learned, we're moved on. We're not doing any of those codes anymore individuation has its own perverse incentives as well when you have an egoic individual running a fortune 500 company you're having somebody that has the tendency to seek happiness in the purchasing of a fifth yacht or your 20th designer purse or whatever it is rather than recognizing that the investment into the employees at the company their health and wellness the community that the company's actually located in all this type of stuff if you're more of an enlightened state so it's well, just... there's an assumption, though. There's an assumption there, which I think has been propagated by um, uh, movies and politicization, that the person who's the head of the Fortune 500 company is operating from that parameter of self-interest uh, exclusively for, and only their gain over totally. the dominance totally. of others. And totally. I don't think totally. that's true. Totally. And I'm not trying to make it a binary saying it's 100%. I'm just saying that there is 2,200 billionaires on the planet. The first target of enlightenment on the planet should be the analysis biometrically of the egoic to enlightened state of said 2,200 people. Because most of those people control most of the operations of the planet mm -hmm. and they meet at Davos every single year. Sure. Well, if you're talking about the world economic form and what's being disseminated there, I think there's very big challenges that are happening. So generally speaking, generally speaking, there is no binary saying that this group of people are the malevolent ones, period. And this group of people are the ones that are the most victim, period. It's yeah. always going to be a blend of both. And yet we recognize that the most upstream issue that infinity is screaming to us is that if you want to get past your Fermi filters, the thing that you have to do is you have to recognize your own nature. You have to know yourself. You have to know thy source. You have to know what you truly are, which is that you're all an expression of the same source and that your awareness, your consciousness is shared and it's eternal and that your unique individuation is also critical. And so that style of know thyself all the way in, all the way out is what infinity screaming make the proper choice architectures in that execution and get past your great filters and get to the next, the snakehead eating its tail, the Ouroboros. Yeah, and, and I, it would appear that the challenge of technologically advanced civilizations if we look from a historical perspective they tend to exterminate themselves so there seems to be some sort of consciousness reset is that when there's a disproportionate of happens that there's some sort of um, non-linear event which causes the destruction of that civilization and going back to when I said I experimented with the rise and fall 
of civilizations and their cascade of values and ideas, which I've been running that experiment for three and a half years. I've come to the conclusion for myself that I would rather provide um, options for people to express whatever, whatever form of expression they want to whatever degree and leave it at that as opposed to the the idea to seek dominance over others and conform totally. it to my own ideas and that's why I, totally. that's why I always with our company we always provide the option of if you don't like the choice you opt out and we refund your energy totally. credits totally. <laughs> if you will totally totally so that you go back and and choose another experiment yet we recognize that the ego we recognize that that which propagates the essence of seeking and trying to extract happiness and extract it from the relationships or substances or material possessions or greed or whatever it is we recognize although what you just said a moment ago is so true which is your ethos of optimizing from the individuated perspective so true so important and yet to not throw away the consensus style truth that infinity can make about itself which is that the egoic levels of consciousness that are in positions especially of power around the planet is in fact our most upstream problem to tackle yeah um although i don't think that everything can be put through the deterministic level of of, of power and I think that's a, a, a it's consciousness more so. I think there's, I think there's a dangerous political. It's less power. It's more yeah. consciousness. Yeah, and I think, yeah. but there's a, there's this 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 kind of theme that's going out into the world today about power dynamics and. Agreed. I, I remember Agreed. first learning about this in university, twenty five years ago, with the idea of hegemony that there's a small group of people in power, and there's a large people group of people that don't have it, and there's a smoke screen between the two. And, I can and, tell that you're very much a you have you have a you have a perspective that you're continuing to share, which I have a very strong presence on, and I try with our channel to actually go because it's it's almost like in a sense a classic like conversation that happens so frequently between individuality and collectivism and all this type of stuff. Right. What would I try to reiterate several times is let's go to where we take the best from both and merge them together into one yeah which i think is maximal choice with minimal evasion to the to the individual so i would say that i'm a constructive libertarian from the perspective is that i i wish to liberate people from a biochemical prison that they are in due to the unintended consequences of technological in innovation. And I'm going to make the assumption that those consequences were not of a conspiratory nature. They were just merely the unintended consequences of rapid innovation and technologization. And that I would be very mindful about dictating my ideas to other people in a way that makes them feel that they they can somehow shirk their own responsibility to play the cards they have and play a victim of something else. And so um, 
And, and as long as you're not disrupting physical existence of other people, then I think it's good. So the, where does the line draw? I, I believe the line draws in violence, right? Um, violence is a form of communication. And it's a communication that is recognized by everyone everywhere, regardless of language. It would, I would say it's probably the lowest form of communication, the most base form of communication. And the second tier of that is the threat of violence if you don't conform to my ideal. Totally. Or the threat of restriction in the form of possibility because you're not adhering to the, the, the rules of the game as I set forth. And I think if we were to find common ground, the there's never been a situation in history where so few could hold the levers of of disseminating those ideals onto so many, which goes to the the thought of well, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so maybe the homo sapien the the jump in consciousness is can we cross the nuclear threshold which is the potential extermination of all life on this planet or most of it or the artificial intelligence threshold can we transcend that without booting up the extermination of the species and then if you go to the elon musk version is well, if, if survival and the continuous evolution of the species is going to happen, we need to be, become an exospecies and be able to leave this planet and, it, and it's our dependency on the uh, environmental components that give birth to life and consciousness in physical expression on this planet. And I think right now we're running a, ver a multi amount of those experiments and we're now consciously aware of in, as individuals to the grand magnitude of all these thanks to technological intervention is that now I can see what the World Economic Forum's up to. I can see what the people in Washington are up to. I can see what Elon Musk is up to. I can see what Google and Facebook and Amazon whether and 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 or I can look through all these different lenses simultaneously, and I would say that for the most part, many of humans are simply overwhelmed with the paradigm of information, and are becoming paralyzed through a voyeuristic observation of life, and have forgotten to participate as a biological organization to the point of. I'm walking down the street here the other day without a mask on and an individual who I've never met before with his dog just walks by me and gives me the finger, right? Or we see people uh, attacking each other violently or destroying property because of a political idea or we see people in a discriminatory nature because of the uh, assigning values based on how much melanin is is in a person's skin and so what i would see in the modern world is the product that is being put out there in the world is division and if that's the product then 
we need to manufacture a different product and the current the current uh, uh situation that we're kind of plays ironically into unity it right? does it, yeah. well it does and, and the thing is is what we're to we're, merge the two together unity and individuation that is the point correct and and how do we find the balance in, in a in a hyper technologically advanced world and i would say if we address the issue as a victim perpetrator kind of mentality we're in deep 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 trouble totally. if we just see that we're participants in this movie of humanity as an individual component and then we can listen and actually hear that person and that person doesn't feel the need to validate their existence through the condemnation or exclusion of someone else then we've got something to go for but at the end of the day um, biology leads to uh, competency and efficiency and and that is something that none of us can get out of and there are of course environmental influences you know the reason that I believe a lot of things that I believe in the experiences that I have is because where I've been born and the, the values that have been inculcated into my belief systems. If I was born in another part of the planet and another part of the world and in a different environment, I would think something totally differently. And so in this rapid awareness of, 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 of the extensive potential of human possibilities and its gory detail, you know, the, or it's gory glory. Um, and the sheer going back to the Hawkins scale of consciousness, which I think is the best approximation of, of the human condition that we can find is that there is spiral there, dynamics is pretty good too. There, there's so very, yeah. The law of one. There yeah. are several others in yeah. the ballpark that, that provide a really strong model for the nature of reality it's like yeah it's like this we brought it up on the show quite a bit before let's put it on six yes yeah, so you have the hawkins in the bottom left corner mm -hmm. you have the spiral dynamics of claire graves and chris cowan and don beck ken wilbur in the bottom right corner yeah then you have what is the law of one channeled by raw the seven density model of consciousness yeah. in the top right corner and these sort of ideas you don't know, even top left infinity expressing itself these sort of ideas synthesized together give a very strong in a sense it's like a phd in metaphysics to study all of them and from there we can recognize that the most upstream is enlightenment enlightenment is the key it's the most important service we can render humanity and if we can hack our biology and augment our ability to go inward more efficiently and outward more efficiently it's going to be a critical role and then or and i think a realistic goal for all of us as a as a because we have to find well where's the accountability for myself what's the what's the accounting am i moving towards that direction and i would say the approximation that one puts through the filter of their actions from a position of Am I expressing love? Love seems to be the binding factor. And so even if I... Joy, peace. Right. If I, if I don't agree with a person or an idea or a concept, 
am I able to share my disapproval of that in a way that is empathetic and loving? Or do I have to resort to a, a violent nature? And if I resort to a violent nature, I would say the accountability of my own, uh, my own, my own, it, it's, it tells me that I'm off track, right? Because we know that the absence of love at its highest level leads to violence. And one of the things that I'm fascinated by in expression is the UFC, which has been proliferated recently in sports, which is a communication form that we all understand. People love close quarter combat because it's so action-packed. Yes, but what's fascinating is you'll have two of these individuals, guys or girls, literally trying to tear the other person apart. And oftentimes at the end of the action they're just like yeah they embrace each other yeah yeah. because there's an aspect that they were able to survive that person's best component and and you know the olympic spirit which i really believe is that oh i see what you're doing you're making a juxtaposition between that and cancel culture which can't handle the giving a fist right after the fight right yeah yeah, right and that's the difference cool is that hey we can engage and a discussion and a comp- competition of I- ideas. And we agree upon the rules that that is that allows the individual autonomy provided it's not causing damage to society exactly. itself. No violence. Yeah, no, totally, but, but totally. we got to get, we got to, we got to drop that. the violence. It's totally, totally. It's the lowest form, like you said, of communication. Right. And, totally. and I would say the non voluntary violence. If two people decide they agree that they want to have a duel get in a fist fight, kill each other as an individual, individual, mano a mano, woman a woman, or whatever you want to call that. If that's what those two individuals choose as, a, as, a, as an option for them, go for it. I, I, I'm not going to intervene my way inside of that. But when I have a singular or group of people exerting violence onto an individual or group that wasn't agreed upon then I think that's where we need to draw the line. And violence can come form uh, in its most subtlest act in the form of ideologies. And 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 in totally. uh, per, 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 particularly, I think there was a great article, uh, a book that's been just, I was just reviewing the other day, which is Parasitical Ideas by Saad, mm-hmm. who is talking about how ideas can infect the human organism as humanity itself, totally. which have very, very dire consequences. And totally. in, in this ability to proliferate ideas in a, in a way exponentially that we never have before and the ability to destroy ourselves, it's, it's I think the individual accounting system should be, can I come from a position of love? Is my communication in love yeah. and, and, and in empathy and compassion yep. for that even which I'm, abhorly against yeah um can i do so in that way buddhahood is the ultimate metric yeah the awakened one is love it radiates that it radiates peace it radiates equanimity it radiates joy yeah it radiates awe and then it butterfly affects that out to everything that it touches and so that first principle going all the way in know thyself and like you said also have accountable stacks of 
markers that indicate one's progress all the way inward leverage biohacking techniques also outward yeah express the unique individuation let's uh let's let's wrap um yeah this, this, that was a fun it's a fun it's a fun thing because ridiculous yeah it's really great <laughs> we went, that was so fun wow i mean yeah we covered a ridiculous amount in there and just you know this is one of the things that i love about polymaths is that when you've learned much across a lot of different disciplines and you've been able to you know as charlie munger says you hang up everything that you've learned from these core disciplines into this gorgeous lattice work and then as warren buffett says you just gain compound interest which is the eighth wonder of the world on that beautiful lattice work over yes. time yeah i think elon musk is i was just reading a quote from him the other day is that you you hold maybe a dozen really complex problems in your life or human existence in mind all the time and then when you garner new information from a field, you 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 take that eureka moment and then you apply it to those 12 things or 10 things and see if there's a breakthrough. And yep. that's something that I think I've critical. attempted to embrace on, on, on a minuscule level in the world of biological optimization and what we do at Bioptimizers, which I, I love. And but also some, spiritually, geopolitically, all absolutely. these components. Yeah, and, yeah. and I draw from those things. So our... Our primary mission in the company is to end physical suffering and activate biologically optimized health. And so our whole premise Love is it. to help move people out of sickness, disease, and the, the, the loss of possibility to moving to a state of first and functionality and then up the ladder into optimization and then biologically you know, like super health and super capabilities. So the expansion of awareness and choices and possibilities exceed that which is base in survival mechanisms where one is so stressed that the organism can't sustain due to the outward pressures. And I think that's a great goal for yes. all of us and whatever format that we're doing, whether yes, yes. we're making food for our family, whether we're laboring in the world and making sure that the power stays on and the roads stay plowed or you know, the, the sanitation facility works or that the food gets delivered at the restaurant. or And if we all take whatever job that we are uh, at in life and we do it to the best of our ability to and, and take the hand that I got and just do the best job that I get. So if I'm sweeping the floor, I'm going to sweep it to the best and I'm going to have joy in that. Then we feel a deeper connection. And I think the vast array of consciousness possibilities become activated not by our outward expression in the world but our inward commitment to that which i find myself in this moment yeah. to the best of my ability because yeah. you know the human condition is quite tragic and it is 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 it's suffering is unavoidable but if you can and find it's meaning beautiful and exploratory yeah. if you can find meaning out of the suffering you have these glimpses of the beautific possibilities Infinity and, expressing and, itself. And, and, and therefore when one comes to the moment of life of one's own death, the, the, the cessation of physical existence itself, yep. one can rush into the abyss, not, Fear. you know, fearful as a sheep, yeah. but celebrating it into the immersion of the infinite and saying, 
what a great expression that was. Yeah, to to, to you know, yeah. and 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 it and and take I did the last my best and every and, and the drop dissolves into the ocean of bliss. Yep. Satchitananda. Satchitananda. Boom. Boom. Wait, this was such a blast. Boom. I love it. Wade Lightheart, everyone. Consciousness, metaphysics, biochemistry. Check out the link in the bio below to biooptimizers.com. You can use the promo code SIMULATION10 for 10% off. Check out all of the different products that they have to offer. Also, check out Newtopia as well. Get your personalized augmentations delivered to you and work with the chemists on the process. Beautiful stuff. And also... If the podcast brought you value, hit the subscribe button, like the video, help us out with the YouTube algorithm, leave a comment below with your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like, share the podcast with other people that you feel like would gain from it. We covered so many epic topics together. So do share it with people that it would resonate with. And... Join the channel if you'd like to gain exclusive perks and benefits. And in doing so, we will funnel every single dollar into the actualization of all of our great projects out here in Los Angeles and beyond. We have a lot of great things cooking for you. And that is all. That's all, Wade. Boom. Thanks for having me. It's a true, true, such a trip. Thanks, bro. <laughs> such a Love trip. it. <laughs> we crushed it. Oh, man. Wade's got a an awesome community of people that he surrounds himself with out here in, in Venice. And he's invited me over several times and it's been such a blast. So many more co-creations coming. You betcha. Pumped, pumped. Much love everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you soon. Peace.